It's time for another retro throwback sidetrack bonus episode of The Hive Jive. This bonus episode of The Hive Jive, titled You're Running Out of Time, Dude, originally aired on June 11th, 2020. And at the time of me saying this, I definitely understand because I still don't have any bees. Ugh. But that's another story. So on with the bonus episode. Enjoy. Hey, all you Hive Jive junkies out there, it's that time again. Join our hosts, John Swan and Ken Milam, for another bonus edition of The Hive Jive. All right. Well, um, so basically, uh, this is the first episode in June of mm-hmm. 2020. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of jokes and everything at the beginning of the year that uh, 2020 was canceled. But um, I kind of actually am starting to think that uh, 2020 is definitely the year that got canceled because as things progress, you know, they're they're going through and they're trying to reopen cities and counties and states and whatnot and get everything up and going. But then there's also all this social unrest and everything that's going on in the country as well. And they're seeing, you know, the cities that are rushing the reopenings of stuff are having spikes in numbers. The cities that have had major protests and riots are having spikes in coronavirus numbers. And, you know, it's just it's kind of crazy. But we had uh, so this will be another one of those uh, Patreon exclusives where, you know, you guys get to hear it first, even though most of you are not necessarily in the state of Texas. So it doesn't matter. But we are officially going to go ahead and cancel the physical in-person portion of our uh, 2020 fall convention in November um, because there are there's there's the chance, obviously, that there could be a huge resurgence in the fall of the the virus. And if that happens, they think that with it being compounded with our annual flu season started, that it could be even worse than what we experienced, you know, this late winter, early spring this year. And so we've went ahead and and made the decision to go through and start the process on canceling that. But what we're going to do instead is we're going to turn it into a virtual conference. And we're still going to do, I don't know if it's still going to be a two-day thing or if it's going to be a one-day thing, but we're still going to go through, we're still going to have the same keynote speakers that we were going to originally have. And we're still going to do all the topics, but it's going to be virtually and be online. But Um, I mean, it just it has impacts all the way across the board, you know, because I was actually supposed to go out this last weekend and start filming for the uh, PBS reality TV series that's all about the bee removals. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted me to come out and and start on the first episode that they were going to be working on with me. And that got canceled because one of the crew members the week prior had ran into somebody who then ended up being tested positive for COVID. And so therefore, you know, they had to go through the whole who all have you been in contact with? And then all those people have been contacted and been told that they now have to quarantine for 14 days. Um, and luckily, seven days of that had passed. But now they've got another four, or another seven days for that crew member. 
um, to go through and, and see. And then, of course, that crew member has to be tested as well. And if they were tested positive, well, then all the rest of the people that were around the crew member <laughs> then have to be quarantined. Um, so I don't know when we'll start uh, start the, the filming on that. And I still don't know, like, how many different B-removals we may have to go do Um to get the kind of footage that they want and, you know, like how much of it will actually make it into the series. So this is all still completely unknown to me, but it was, I was excited. It was going to be really cool to get to experience that and be on a quote unquote, a job site. That's also a film set. Um, but Oh, well <laughs> we shall see later down the road, I guess. Well, um, it just so happens I have a B removal that you can help me with and we can video it. And it's, <laughs> it's out of a water meter box in burn it and burn it, the city of burn it. Oh yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be there. They're under the ground. That means, you know, they're mean bees. Yeah, but they're also tiny, so they're probably not going to hardly react at all. Well, you don't never know. We don't probably that's true. are, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, I mean, could this possibly be a ploy just to get additional help because your wrist is still currently healing? Good possibility. And my son has a uh, a two month old, a two two week old baby. Yeah, it's a good possibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh huh bribery i see what this is <laughs> but i took your dozen eggs away so i have to bring you a dozen to next week yeah yeah well that's that's uh that's all good um i i but <laughs> but what <laughs> you do have two boards to put your jars in one for a 10 frame one for an eight frame to make the honeycomb inside the jar then you pour the honey in Awesome. Well, um, fingers crossed that our nectar flow continues and the bees continue drawing out comb for that to work because that would be amazing, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, mainly because, so normally for us in Central Texas, May is extremely wet, uh, like monsoon season wet, and then June is usually fairly wet. Like, we'll still have several showers and stuff. It doesn't stop raining here until July, and then that's when everything immediately gets up into the 100-degree range, stays there, and everything dries out and gets crispy. But this year, this week, well, we've already had 100-degree day this year, and that happened, like, early May. That was bizarre. Then we had all of the rains, which we normally expect. Now they're looking at the next 14 days are going to be dry and hotter than normal, and we're already expected to be at 100 degrees or higher by Tuesday. Yep. So I don't know what that's going to do to the nectar flow. Like We're going to keep going, obviously, for the first couple of weeks of June because we had the rain in May. But that doesn't mean that it's going to go all the way into the first week or so of July like it normally would. It may stop early, which will really suck because then our, for us, our honey harvest will be very small. Now... There are other parts of the local region. So, you know, Texas, for, for those of you who are not in Texas, Texas is freaking massive. I mean, it is a huge state. And it literally, there is every different climate, terrain, <laughs> zone that you can imagine is all encompassed within the state of Texas. And over towards Houston, which is a, it's only three hours, three and a half hours to get on the east side of Houston from Austin. Yep. Um, over in that area, I know some beekeepers that we were, when we were doing the board meeting, we were doing it via 
Zoom, I think. And so we could see, you know, everybody's houses and stuff and see inside wherever they were sitting. And one of the ladies who lives over in that area had this stack of boxes that was about as tall as she was of capped honey that she had just pulled that day. Good gosh. And she was, you know, she was ready to go through and harvest. And I was like, where on earth do you have your bees? Because uh-huh. for us in central Texas, as opposed to southeast Texas, um, we're not there yet. You know, we, we've we got boxes that might be 50% capped on each frame, but they're not fully capped yet. They're drawing out the comb and they're packing in the liquid and there might be open nectar in there, but it's not all capped and ready to take yet. So it's it's just really kind of interesting. And then you see all the people online all across the country and across the world that, you know, there's been people that have been showing videos of doing their first extractions literally for them or for the year. Um, and they were doing that in May. And it, it it just cracks me up because some of them I'm like, first off, if you live up north, there's no way in hell <laughs> that at the beginning of May you had enough honey that you could go through and do an extraction, you know. Um, but there are other places where I know in Mississippi, one of our listeners, David, he's been doing amazing and his his colony is just bursting at the seams and they've got boxes upon boxes of drawn comb and nectar and capped honey. And so this is his second year and his first year he had some hiccups and bumps in there. But this year he's going to end up having an amazing honey harvest. And so it, it just kind of like it, it honestly, it's it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice or a crapshoot, you know, like you never know how things are going to turn out and what it's actually going to be like. Um, hopefully some of your colonies, I don't know, do you have any of them that are on their third box? No, not yet. Mm-mm. Well, they, you better get them on there because you're out of time. <laughs> uh, uh, our bee brush is blooming crazy, but we had last week, you know, we had some big rain, so that washed out that nectar flow. And then I noticed that the the mesquites are starting to put out again. So hopefully we'll have a bee brush bloom again. And then the mesquites will bloom. So hopefully we'll get a nectar flow here pretty quick. And then probably this next week, if it gets hot, the bee brush will go crazy again because it's got a bunch of moisture in the ground. And they'll bloom bloom big time. Mesquites will come on, but then within about a week or two, it'll die. So you never got any of your colonies out to Mason, did you? No, we never did. No, didn't. Okay. So what I would say you need to do is you need to go through and you need to identify your biggest, strongest colonies. And you need to go ahead and put on top of them whatever boxes of drawn comb that are in mediums that you have. Okay. Well, I can do that. Because that that way you've got, you have the boxes of drawn comb so they don't have to expend the resources to draw out the wax. Mm -hmm. You can put it on top of those big, strong colonies that have enough bees to guard them and fill them, and you could still potentially get a decent honey harvest from those specific colonies, but you need to do it like tonight when you get home. Okay. Because June is your last effort. Like once June is done, as we get closer to the end of June, we're finished. Yep. When July hits, there is no more nectar flow. There is no more honey potential. Then it's just waiting on them to get everything capped and get it all good to go. So yeah, if you want to have a honey harvest, you need to get them out there and get those boxes on those hives now. (laughs) July hits. Uh, if, if the durst kicks in, it's feeding time. <laughs> well, 
Well, that all depends on how much you take from your colonies and what your colonies have. So if you have a two-box setup and during this month they manage to fill and cap one of the top, the two boxes, then you don't need to feed them in July and August. Mm-hmm. But and or, oh, and or you don't need to feed them if they have plenty of food. So even if they have three or four boxes and you take the top two boxes and leave the bottom two boxes and those at least one of those bottom two boxes is full of capped honey, you don't need to feed them in July and August. You need to check them because they may do great in July and then halfway through August you may look and all of that capped honey is now gone because they ate it all. Mm-hmm. And then you would need to start feeding. So it's all about you know just watching and managing each colony and making sure that they're doing good. Um, keep in mind though that, and we'll, we'll talk about this on the main segment when it does get closer, but when that nectar dearth does happen and the bees start going through their food supply, their attitude is going to drastically change. And it doesn't matter if it is the nicest colony ever, they know there is no more food out there and they are not going to tolerate anybody attempting to come and steal it. So they're going to be meaner and they're going to be more defensive and, they're going to have a bit of an attitude during the month of August, especially because it is hot. It is brutal. There is no food for them and they could be running out of food. So they will absolutely react differently than they have all spring. In the spring, when all that nectar's coming in, they're just as happy as can be. They don't really care. Yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to finding out. You know, let's see. We got Carniolans. We got Italians. We got uh, Scrats. Is that all the bees, the different ones I've got? Yes. We got some redheaded mutts, maybe. We got still. some red. Oh, we got redheaded mutts and we got Russians. So I want to, I want to see, you know, that's one of the reasons I got some different, many, so many different species is to see. If they're aggressive. Yeah. Technically, I think we would call them races, not species. Okay. Races. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a genetic race. They're all the same. They're all still Apis mellifera, but they're a different line or a different race of that. So, um, one of the things that you can do is kind of like the, one of the big hives that you had purchased last year. Um, you can go through and you could put a little strip of masking tape on the front of each hive and write on each of those pieces of tape with a black marker that says Russian carniolan hybrid, you know, Russian carniolan hybrid, uh, redheaded mutt or scrat, you know, like that way, you know, you can look at the the front of the hive and you know immediately, because I know we were talking the other day on the phone about you really need to start making notes because you're having a hard time keeping track of which one's which. The packages are doing good. They're they're two of them are already building into a second frame. The rest of them are filling out their brood box. So I bet you I don't get to put a second. I mean a second box. Two of them have filled are starting on the second box. I think the rest of them I will put a second box on them, but I don't think it's going to help much because just where they're at. But we'll see. Uh, hopefully they can put something up there and then uh, if not we'll just feed them out through the winter time and the dearth. yeah the dearth so on the on any of the the especially packages on any of the packages that you got this year mm-hmm. your goal is to get at least the deep box fully drawn out and good to go a bonus is if you get the medium on top of them and they get it fully drawn out as well that's your goal. So 
if you can make it at least to the first box completely drawn out, then you're you're where you should be for that year. If you can make it to where the first box and the second box are completely drawn out, then you're ahead of the game and you're set and you're ready to go and rock and roll for next year. So that's where they need to be. But all of your colonies that existed, like the nine original colonies, all of those should have been keyed and primed to make you honey this year. Okay. So those are the those are your bigger colonies, and and yes, we did some splits from some and things like that. But um, you know, at this point, we may not, especially since how it is, it's getting a little bit later in the season. We may not be able to count on them to be able to draw out as much comb as they might need to. But you do still have some of the comb that is already drawn. So go ahead and put it on those colonies and and give those colonies the opportunity to have the space to store any excess that they may get. And, you know, if they do, awesome. And even if it is just one box per colony, you know, say say you only have four boxes of, of drawn comb worth that you can put out somewhere, well, go pick your four strongest colonies and give them each one extra box so they've got three boxes and then see what happens, you know, and see if they manage to get get you a honey harvest on there um, and see how they go. Those two big colonies that you, in, that you purchased last year, um, they already had two boxes. Yep. So they should have gotten their third box early in the year. They should have gotten that like at the very latest at the beginning of May. And then they could have been working on drawing that out. So got five boxes on both top of both of them. But oh, well, not, there you go. See, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I just asked right. you if you I, had any boxes that oh, had yeah. three or more and you said no. <laughs> well, well, they they got boxes. I was I was thinking you was well wanting to know if I had any that had uh nectar or honey in them and uh no i'm just talking literal boxes yeah literal boxes oh yeah they got them yeah we got those okay good good very good well that's that's better then because that's what i meant was how many colonies do you have out there that have more than two boxes on top of them you know more than their original two that's what i was getting at so if you've got if you've got some that got three boxes four boxes five boxes then that's a much better scenario that's good because then we know that they have an opportunity of potentially getting you uh, a honey harvest. So that's what I was concerned about. The original nine all have multiple boxes. Then we got the two. We got the 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 five frame. <laughs> that was a, <laughs> we don't know how old they were. Uh, that was in the nuke box when we put them in an eight frame. Then we have that original 10 frame uh, that, that I got from, from one neighbor and they both have boxes on top of them and then of course the two big the two 10 frames that i purchased then rock hive the nuke cutout all of them have uh um, multiple boxes on them yeah well there you go so that means that now your next challenge is going to be how are you going to extract the honey because you've got roughly 30 to 45 days to really be making that decision and still have time to get it ordered and be here in time. Cause honey harvest is probably gonna like, there's a lot of things out there. And I've said this before on the main segment several times that a lot of places in the country think that July 4th is when you harvest your honey. And it's meant to be like, it's an obvious day that everybody thinks of and knows and remembers, but it's not, a definitive, right? We should not manage our bees by by a calendar that's arbitrary to what the bees are doing. What it is is that around July 4th, especially for us here, 
that is when the nectar flow usually starts to decrease and or has stopped. And so that's when we need to start thinking about it. And you go out there and you check your colonies and you see, are all the frames capped? Are we actually able to harvest it yet? But if you're finding that you've got tons of open liquid, but it's not all capped, well, then you can't harvest because your harvest could end up spoiling because it's not ripe. It's not dehydrated enough. So instead, what you end up going and doing is that's when you start looking and monitoring. But I really, I don't think harvesting for us, or especially here in, in our central Texas area, harvesting really shouldn't be done until the middle of July at the earliest. And it can be done anywhere from there all the way up through the first part of August mm -hmm. because that gives the bees plenty of time to go through and get stuff capped. Now, you can absolutely go and harvest like one colony at a time or one box at a time. If you have four boxes on top of a colony and the top box is solid capped, but the bottom box is only 25% capped, you could take the top box off, go extract it, bring it back to the colony and put it back on there. And then come back later and take the next box off and extract it once it's fully capped. My thing, though, is though doing a honey harvest is fun and extracting honey, especially the first time you get to do it and it's your honey and it's amazing, that's awesome. But it is a lot of work. It's a lot of repetition and it is hella messy, hella messy. So I don't want to get my extractor out once a week or twice a week for multiple weeks on end to be extracting. I want to do it all at once. <laughs> so I go and I wait until every box is good to go. And then I pull the boxes that are able to be pulled and I load them all up and the whole back of my truck is full of honey boxes. And then I drive it back and they all get offloaded into a staging area. And then we get everything set up and ready to go. And then we start doing our extracting. And we extract all day long until it's all done and gone and maybe even into the next day, depending on how many we have. Um, and then we clean up and we're done <laughs> and we put it away for another year. Um, that's how I look at it. And that's why I'm buying a 20 frame <laughs> extractor, because I want to knock them out in a hurry. Yeah, well, you kind of want to knock everything out in a hurry. <laughs> always have. Max says, Dad, slow down. I says, why? <laughs> Yep, gotta gotta slow down and appreciate those wonders of nature. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, you do. But uh, oh, we got a new. Uh, see if I did I talk about the colony at my brother's. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, moving it. We talked about you had a swarm that was gonna move in potentially, and I think we might have talked about the fact that the. I think the last time we did talk about it, they hadn't moved in yet, but they were thinking about it. But the, the swarm trap box had a screened bottom on it, and they were getting confused. And they were underneath it, and I went up there with an eight-frame, raked them off in there, and apparently I got the queen first rattle out of the box. They all fell down, and everybody went right in there, and everybody was happy. I put a lid on them. Everybody started going into the front. And they're all home now. And, yeah, uh, it's about a package is what that swarm was, the size of it was. So uh, I'll let them do their thing, and then I'll probably go to feeding them here before long and see if I can grow them out and get honey next year. There you go. Fingers crossed. That'll be that'll be a little bit more challenging because you're you're getting a quote-unquote blank package late in the year 
Um, they've got a lot of work to do. Now, again, I know that you can cheat because you've got drawn comb, but for anybody listening who doesn't and they catch a swarm, you know, like late spring, early to midsummer, or even late summer, that swarm is going to have more of a challenge. Now, they are primed to draw wax and they want to do it as fast as they can, so you can get them drawn very, very quickly. Um, I had a massive swarm move into an empty top bar and in the course of barely a week, like they moved in on a Monday or Tuesday and I went back out there on a Saturday or Sunday to check everything and they had drawn out either completely or over halfway seven different bars of comb Good gosh. in a week. Yeah. So, you know, a, a swarm, especially a big one, but a swarm is primed and ready to draw wax because in nature, it's all about we have to have comb so that we can start storing food and the queen can start laying eggs or we die. Mm-hmm. Like we've that's the only way we can continue. So they're ready to do that. And they're that's the perfect time for them, too. So you can catch them and put them into that container and, you know, give them their frames or give them whatever they're going to have. And they can go through and, and immediately start drawing out comb for you. But you just got to keep in mind that 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 window of opportunity for them to draw comb is growing shorter and shorter the later we get into the year. Most places, by the time July hits, mid-July, you're pretty much done. Most colonies naturally in nature are going to drastically reduce, if not completely stop, making new wax. And then everything shifts over to now we got to survive the dearth or now we've got to store for winter and everything goes into food stores and nothing really goes into wax production from that point forward. So it just it can be challenging. You'll end up with a possibly a nuke that you end up overwintering um, or a smaller colony that you end up overwintering. And you've got to do more feeding and more handholding for them the later in the season you start them or catch them. Yep. And. Yeah, uh, you know, that's what makes this so interesting. Here, I'm going to go take this extraction out of the meter box. Going to have to feed them, I'm sure, here before long. And I don't know how big this colony is going to be, but it's been in there apparently a while, so this could be a pretty good colony. It's probably going to be a mess. Yeah, that's what I figure. We're going to, I made 10 top bar, uh, uh, rescue frames so i got a bunch of frames and i made three rescue our our top bar nukes so yeah i'm ready for uh extractions to be taking them out of uh, meter boxes so we'll see what happens there you go now if you do it like i do it you'll only use four of the rescue bars the rest of the bars will be empty and you only keep four comb that just has life stages, preferably solid capped and or, you know, larva and one of them that has larva and eggs just as a, a just in case something happens to the queen, they've got a chance to make a new queen. Um, but that's it, because if you take all of it, you're also taking all of the chemicals that the wax has absorbed, any diseases and parasites that may be in there, any mites that are hiding underneath the additional cappings. Like you're bringing all their trash and junk with them. So it's better to get them to start and do new fresh stuff, you know, on the rest of that um, and just have enough in there to kind of keep them uh, satiated while they get started and, and rebuild and repair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, oh, on the top bar that we lost the queen, uh, we put a, put eggs and, and larvae into that. 
and I haven't opened it up yet. Uh, got to get my open it up today, or it just got hot. I don't, I don't do good and hot in that suit. But I'll get it open today or tomorrow. See what's going on there, and I'm possibly probably gonna pull those queens out because those eggs, the if they have any queen cells in there, because I've ordered uh, a queen and. If I put her in there with them having sales, they could possibly kill her, right? No, not possibly. They probably will. Okay, so I'll pull those out this evening because the queen will be here Monday or Tuesday, or the queen will be. So I'll put the, her in when they get there. I'll go ahead and pull those sales out today, and then they'll be queenless for two or three days. So that ought to be perfect. Yeah. Now, the only downside to that is you never know what's going to happen with your other queen. That's true. And if you go through and you kill the queen cells today and your queen is supposed to show up on Tuesday, that's several days, right, before she actually gets there. And then say she shows up and she's dead. Mm -hmm. Well, now your colony is hopelessly queenless. They have no way to make a new queen. The only thing you can do is give them another bar of eggs and, and brood. Mm hmm and then order another queen and start that process all over again. So I like to wait until my queens are in hand and I know they're viable and alive before I go out there and do something else. So I did open that box up. I didn't go all the way to the frame that we put the eggs and the larvae in there, and they were putting up uh, nectar. Uh, they had liquid in the cells, uh, and I stopped there. I didn't go all the way. I didn't keep going. I just stopped there when I saw the liquid. I says, well, they're working, so shut it back up. Yeah. Now, the, the, the thing that you need to keep in mind on these top bars is that we are now approaching the time of year where you should not touch that top bar any time after 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. So don't go out there tonight when you get home in the middle of the day or in the evening. Yeah, it it'd have to be for you, it would have to be Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah, because they, you know, you'll be you'll be on the radio during the weekend and everything. So, you've got to you've got to do it first thing in the morning on a top bar, especially in the middle of the summer when it's really hot because those the new comb at the back of the colony that is all food stores, mm -hmm. you can look at it crossways. You know, you just look at it funny and it will rip and fall off that bar. And the the comb that has more of the brood and larva and stuff in it, it's a little bit stronger and sturdier because it's got all those chrysalises and cocoon castings and stuff in there. But it can still rip off there. And it's when those bars are hot and that comb is heavy, you pick it up and you turn it just wrong for a second and it'll just tear right off or just melt down and fall. So you got to be very, very careful. So on your top bars, definitely only manage them first thing in the morning. Don't do it, you know, unless it's an emergency, don't do it in the middle of the day. Now, if there is something bad going on or it's an emergency, then you need to get out there and deal with it right now. But otherwise, if you're just doing your normal maintenance, no, don't open her up unless it's first thing in the morning. You want those bars to be as cool as possible, which means you've given them all night to cool down. And that may be, you know, especially in certain parts of the year, the nighttime cool down may only be... 15 degrees different than it is in the middle of the day, but it's still 15 degrees different. So you got to use whatever you can there. Right. It was 76 when I left this morning. 
Yeah. <laughs> at one enjoy. o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in, enjoy that while it lasts. There'll be some mornings we'll wake up, it'll be in the 80s. Yeah, it'll be in the 80s for long. But, yeah, and, and, and so, yeah. Uh, oh, the little the little swarm that I took in, they're already cleaning up that old comb that I had in that box. There's a pile of pieces of wax, I guess, where they've been cleaning and, and getting everything cleaned up ready for the queen to go to work. So, uh, I mean, a pile at the entrance where they just piled it up out there on one side. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that's usually like when they're robbing stuff out and they're cleaning and they're smoothing edges and all that, they'll, they'll go through and chew up some of the wax and kick out the debris and all that. Um, so the, the swarms, you know, the, the one swarm that had the multiple virgin queens, um, only one of those virgin queens is still around. One of them, the one that had the bigger following, they absconded and left. So they, you know, like instead of her going off to do her mating flights and everything, they they all just said, peace, see you later, and they took off. And then the one that had the smaller following, the smaller, <laughs> the one that had the smaller following mm-hmm. is still here. But I at this point, I'm pretty sure she's only got like seven bees with her. <laughs> And I'm starting to wonder whether or not she can fly or if when they were attacking all the Virgin Queens, if they didn't damage her and she can't actually fly because I haven't seen her leave the box. And when I did get her, she was on the ground Mm -hmm. that, well, when I originally got her, she was on the ground, but then they left the little mating box that I had put them in Mm -hmm. and they ended up being on the ground in a tiny little ball about six foot away. And they would not leave that spot. And I, I took some video, um, you know, and it's a we're talking like a ping pong size pile of bees, not very big at all. No. And she'd crawl out of the center of them and crawl up over the top and then burrow back down into the center of them. And they were just hanging on to these blades of grass. And I was like, well, so I, I watched them all day. And then the next day they were still there. And then I put a frame up beside them and they they refused it. They didn't want to get on it. They didn't want to have nothing to do with it. So that evening it started to sprinkle and I went out there and just scooped them up with my hand and put them in the box and then closed them in the box inside the house for two days and then took them back out and opened them up so they could go and, you know, relieve themselves and she could go and do mating flights and stuff. But I literally don't think she's ever left that box um, and their their numbers are dwindling. So she is probably a lost cause. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so they're they're that's the outcome of that. Those final two virgin queens are uh, a no go for that. Uh, I need to make it back out to the hotel to check and see if that other swarm that I put in there ended up staying. If the blue box is now officially still alive or not, or if they have said you know screw it and they're gone again. Um, so we we'll, we will check and see. But that's all I got update wise at the moment. There you go. All my bees are. Are looking good and new ones coming and hive beetles. Are they? A, I had a well, you know, I had uh, one of my uh, feeders. I guess I killed a bunch of bees when I poured some nectar in there. They were in there and I said, well, they'll get out of there, but they didn't. And then all of a sudden I opened it up a week later, looked in there and there's a whole pile of the hive beetle larvae. And yeah, I jerked that off, put a, put another feeder on there and took it and dumped it in the lake and fed the perch. 
<laughs> there you go. You also need to start taking that stuff back and feeding your chickens. Yeah, I know. That's what you told me. So, yeah, I'll start doing that, too. Well, it's it's amazing food for chickens. Um, high in protein. It's it's a good it's a good food source for them. Um, wax moth larvae, those fat little silkworms, make amazing chicken food. <laughs> um, soldier fly larvae is one of the best things that you can get. The little phoenix worms, um, if you can ever get those to be naturally reoccurring in your area, then that that is amazing. They are like crude fat and protein is through the roof as far as a natural food that you can feed the chickens. So. Um, but yeah, no, they, uh, the hive beetles, they, they're just a nuisance. That's all they are. They, they're not detrimental to your colony. They are a symptom of other things, but they're the, the adult beetles are always there. When you start seeing the actual larva of the adult beetles, that is usually when your colony cannot get to that space to clean it. So if they're up in a feeder that's been fouled up, that makes sense because the, the beetle can get up in there, lay the eggs. The, the bees aren't going to go up in there and clean it or can't get to that section to clean it. And then the, the larva is allowed to hatch out and do their thing. And so you'll find them sometimes in feeders and stuff like that. But when you find the larva in your colony, that is a problem. And it's, yeah, and it's not the problem. The, the problem is not the fact that they are there causing a problem. They are there because there is a problem. And that problem is usually something is wrong with your colony. Either you've gotten overzealous and given them way too much space to guard and they cannot guard it, or they've gotten sick and their population is decreasing and their their immune system is weak and they cannot guard the space, or something happened and they got poisoned and they lost a huge number of bees, so they shrank and they can no longer guard the space. But the common denominator is something is wrong with your colony and they can no longer guard the space. And that is when the hive beetle larvae start taking over and then the wax moth larvae finish the job. And if you do run into that situation... Say you've got two boxes and, you know, the top box starts getting fouled up with hive beetle larvae. You need to take that top box off. Anything they haven't touched yet, put in the freezer and save it. Anything they have fouled up, scrap it. It's gone. It's it's done. It's wasted. Um, and then reduce your colony down to just the one box and let them regrow and rebuild. If they're only in one box and you find that happening, reduce that box down to a nuke and let them regrow and rebuild because you've got to balance out the amount of space that they can guard with the amount of bees that are in there. And, you know, that's the only way you're going to prevent that. If you get them down in a small enough container to where there's plenty of bees to cover every frame, then they'll keep that at bay and they can slowly go through and rebound and recoup. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, things will be better and uh, and they will come out of it and uh, and be fine. But if you don't, if you leave them in that big space the they will either continue their downward spiral to the point where they die out on their own because they were going to anyway, or the hive beetles foul everything up so bad that the bees that are left say, screw it, this place is nasty, we don't want to live here no more, and they will abscond and leave. But the hive beetles, again, they did not cause any of those problems. They are a symptom of something that was already wrong with your colony. And that's the larva. The adult beetles, depending on where you live, especially in the United States, if you're in the southern region of the United States, you will have hive beetles in your colony. Even if it's just one, you will have hive beetles in your colony. Some colonies do better than others at keeping them out. Um, any strong colony will actually just regulate them. They'll, they'll chase them up into one of the areas of the comb that they're not using, like up above the inner cover or off to the very back of the top bar. 
Um, they'll just keep them sequestered in those areas and, and they're fine. But you will always have adults. If you see an adult, don't panic. It's not anything. That's just part of our natural cycle here, unfortunately. So anyhow, I think uh, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed another bonus episode here on your Patreon exclusive podcast feeds for everything. We will talk with you next week. And we'll see you then. John's got a rescue. He's got to go do. That's why he's getting out of here. Well, it's that's this this that it is that time of the year. We're we're back to where we've got one every day, and it's a long day, and it's a hot day, and it sucks. But yeah, we start them as early as we can. Um, usually we would already be doing them, but on the days we record, I try to bump them up to about nine thirty, nine forty-five, so we can uh, get this done and then get out there and do that. But yep, that is the deal. Um, and that, that weird little noise, I don't know if the recording picked it up, but that was my computer saying, you need to start driving. <laughs> you need to get out of here. Go home. You need to go to work. Okay. So. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll talk with you next week. Family, y'all take care. Be safe and stay healthy. And we'll see y'all next week. There you go. Be good. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.